We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Chasing Hardware, the podcast that sits down with the sports figures you grew up with and hears their stories. Okay, welcome to Chasing Hardware. This is Rich Lamello, and I'm very happy to have as my guest today, Phil Villapiano, the former Oakland Raider and Buffalo Bill Great. Phil, welcome to Chasing Hardware. Thank you, Rich. Uh, so I'm, I'm in Summit, New Jersey, and you're down on the Jersey Shore. We're not that far from each other. You grew up on the Jersey Shore went to, uh, to Asbury Park High School and then Ocean Township High School. Uh, tell me about growing up in the shore back in the 60s, 50s and 60s. Yeah, well, the, the Asbury Park was the city. That was a jewel, man. You know, there was Atlantic City and then Asbury Park. And they, they were the two jewels of the shore. And uh, I grew up on Third Avenue in Asbury. And uh, it was some, some experience. We, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're a big uh, a Springsteen fan, which you look like you are, Rich. I am. You know, uh, Bruce pretty he, he, he does a lot of songs about this show, and they're all true. Sure. Um, we 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 were all pinball wizards. We we'd go down to the to the uh, to the arcades and play forever. We all had our fake um, nickel. We had a little nickel with the. You know, we soldered a piece of wire on it. Go zing zing. You play all day for free. You know, and we so we all had that going for us. And um, you know, we all had the ocean. We were, were all very good swimmers. And and you know, your lifeguarders. You worked in the camps. You worked at the arcades. You know, we uh, we all started drinking about 15 years old. You know, in all the bars, nobody cared in those in Asbury in those days. And it was a, what a, what a great great place to, to grow up, and we had one of the beauties of growing up at the shore and in Asbury is you know we had a you know we had the, the black population, uh, white population, Italians and the Irish and the, and the, and then a, a big Puerto Rican um, influence, and we had all kinds of people, and it was. So cool that uh, I mean I didn't realize till I went to Bowling Green I call it Lily White Bowling Green that uh, I knew everybody's religion and everybody's uh, origin or you know nationality by their name yeah. and the only reason I did that is because I came from Asbury where we had everything yeah and it was it was a lot of fun true melting and, pot uh, we we are big it was a big um, town for athletics i mean every everybody was into athletics and uh you know we, we used to have our you know our football fields and baseball fields and basketball courts and man we were out there all the time and it was a great place if you're ever going to be you know a professional athlete great place to grow up in sure. you know mostly you're playing against bigger guys all the time and it, it was just a lot a lot of fun and my my Dad was the athletic director at Asbury Park High School. 
So yeah, we we our our group of guys that we actually got the old helmets and the old shoes and we had uniforms back when you That's know cool. we were we looked like Asbury Park's varsity, but we were way too small. And then from Ocean Township, you go off to Bowling Green, like you mentioned, out in the Mid America Conference. What? How did you kind of choose Bowling Green, coming from the Jersey Shore? Well, it, you know, that's a really good question. And, be, and there was, um, I, I would imagine, Alabama, Ohio State, they recruited, you know, but um, I didn't get any letters from those guys. But I did go see Bowling Green play in the NIT tournament in basketball. My father, sure. I told you, is the athletic director, who's also a basketball coach at one time sure. at Asbury. And he would go up there and scout at the NIT and take a look at all the defenses and offenses. And he would bring me and my brother. And Bowling Green, who was led by Nate Thurman and Howard Comise, came back here and they actually won the NIT. They became that. And that was like national champion. But I didn't care so much about their national champion. I cared about how, so, how many students came back and how they were – it was crazy to, to the spirit and and it really impressed me yeah. to uh you know see how bowling green was uh, uh you know had, had the school spirit and uh the team played great and when it came time for me to uh think about a college and you know i i said to my father how about that bowling green school so uh, i actually went to bowling green to play football because of basketball Exactly. The Mid-America Conference, obviously known for its great coaches and being, obviously there's Miami of Ohio, the cradle of coaches, but the Mid-America Conference right. also sends many coaches on to the big time beyond Bowling Green or beyond the MAC. You, you played for Don Nealon, who obviously went on to have a lot of success <clears throat> at West Virginia. What was, what was Don Nealon like? Well, Don was a, a really great guy. And, uh, you know, I think, yeah, he he really prepared me well for my years in the pros. Sure. You know, we he ran he ran a, a tip top program at Bowling Green. I mean, if you you weren't good, you weren't playing. Sure. You know, there wasn't any daddy bull going on with Don Nalen. It was a it was a real work. And uh, I, I think if the only thing I would have done over again is is, you know, not hurt so many of our own guys. We, uh, Don, uh, you know, playing for him was like a war every day. Right. And I remember opening up, we got Utah State coming to, coming to Bowling Green, and I'm the best player on defense, and I started the game as a running back because we knocked all of our running backs out in the summertime, and we had no runners. So now, <laughs> now I'm playing running back and play, playing defensive then. It was crazy. Wow. And uh, that – Don was my guy, but maybe just a little too much. <laughs> maybe you know? dial it back just but a I, touch. <laughs> dial it back. Yeah, leave your own guys alone a little bit. You know, <laughs> exactly. it was a war. But I, I certainly enjoyed him. And a good friend to this day. And um, I remember going down in West Virginia. Without you know, if if you're in shipping, which I'm in, uh, there's a whole bunch of. Uh, big uh, plants right down here on the Ohio River. And, uh, you know, they were all my customers. And Don Nelson loved when I went there. I talked to his teams and bring my customers and stay very, very close with him forever. Oh, that's and, cool. Uh, that's great. Good, then, good, good, good man. That's, that's very cool. And then, so you're the Mid-America Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, your senior year. You go to the Senior Bowl down in Mobile. And from what I could tell, you were hitting people when you got off the bus. You might have been hitting people on the bus. And <laughs> I, I, think, I think you had like 20 tackles or something like that and, and caught the attention of a certain uh, owner of a certain AFL team, AFC team. Yeah. Crazy thing about that game was, um, you know, I, well, I actually got invited to the blue and gray game, which was, you know, the north and the south, right? So um, I had – we we really weren't very good our senior year at Bowling Green. Mm -hmm. So I kind of thought, you know, no one's going to notice me. But I got an invitation 
And I remember Dwight Perry was our athletic director and he called me into his office. He goes, Phil, you, now's the time, man. You got to turn it on. You're gonna, this is going to be more exposure than you've ever gotten here. And that was the, the blue-gray game. And I had a crazy good game and uh, made a lot of tackles. And then two weeks, you know, right, I came back to Bowling Green. He calls me the next day. He says, hey, Phil, you did a great job. You got an invitation here to go to the senior bowl game, which was two weeks later. So uh, I go down to the senior bowl. And, you know, you're right. I was ready to make some plays. And the opening kickoff, I run down the field, and I'm, and I'm the wedge breaker. I'm the L1 here, which is right into the wedge. And the guy sticks sure. up his elbow, and I, get a I catch his elbow right on my eye. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, I didn't even know. I, you know, it just hurt like crazy. I played the first series. I come to the sideline, and Coach McPherson from the uh, – from the Denver Broncos is my linebacker coach. And he looked at me, he goes, oh, my God. And, and, and he goes, hey, Phil, we got no backups. I said, hey, coach, I'm playing. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I played with one eye. So we got – and it was totally shut by the, by the time the game was over. And, and I remember walking off the field, and this guy in his white suit comes up to me with glasses, sunglasses. I look like a – Hollywood movie star. I look like an Elvis in a way. And, uh, and he goes, hey, Bill Piano, nice game. And I think he loved my 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 black eye because I looked like the Raider with the patch, you know. And uh, and that was Al Davis. It ended up being my buddy Al Davis. And uh, he drafted me, which was wonderful. And uh, and my, my type of football fit perfect with the Raiders. It was just... I love to hit people, and I love I love to, uh, you know, I, I love, you know, in the in the pros, if you're no good, you're gone. Right. And I love I right. love that that part of it. Right. You know, it's it's right. you got to be good. You got to be good every week, and right. you got to make tackles right. every week. Yeah. And that's what yeah. separates the pros from the college. You know, and it's really kind of cool to go with a guy like Al Davis, who was black and white. You're good and you're playing or you're bad and you're gone. I love that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's the Ra Raider mentality. And you get a coach like John Madden, who's enforcing that. And my first linebacker coach was Ray Malavese. He went on a sure. coach down at the, with the Rams and got a Super Bowl with the Rams. And Ray Malavese never played linebacker in his life. So he was kind of a worthless to me as a, a position coach. Sure. But as a mental sure. coach, he was perfect. He was a wild man. And I loved it. You know, <laughs> when your coach is uh, Italian from New Jersey, it was beautiful. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, the whole, the whole Raider thing, I mean, you know, and Al, Al becoming, you know, he, he liked the way I played in the, um, in the Blue-Gray and the Senior Bowl game. And uh, – and, and, you know, I could tell when I went there, he, he was rooting for me sure. to make the team sure. get out there and make tackles. That's what I did. It yeah. was good. Yeah. You obviously made a, a, a very good first impression <laughs> on him in the, uh, in yeah. the, yeah, in it was the fun. senior bowl. And then Ron Wolf in the Hall of Fame was a personnel guy with the Raiders. Obviously then went on to the Packers and helped them win a Super Bowl there. He was the guy who drafted you, right? He was the guy overseeing the draft? Yep. Ron Wolf was a great guy. Matter of fact, the day of the draft, you know, it wasn't organized the way it is nowadays. You know, there was, right. you really didn't know. All you knew, it was started at nine o'clock in the morning. There was no time limits on how many, how many minutes before you could take a pick and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm at, you know, I, I made 2500 bucks at the Senior Bowl, and that was only like a week before. I had all this cash. I invited all these friends over. And I bought the beers. I bought the subs. I figured by noon we'd be drinking. And, you know, and I, I would know where I was going to be playing. And, uh, you know, the only one that called me about 11 o'clock was my mother. And then my mother called me back about 3 o'clock. And I'm like, Mom, I don't think this is going to happen. So about 7.30 that night, now we've had a lot of beer. We, have, we turned into a real party. 
the phone finally rang and and I was at, um, my girlfriend picks it up and says, uh, um, Dale, it's the Oakland Raiders. And she gives me the phone and I said, go get the map. Where's Oakland? I knew it was in <laughs> California, but I didn't know where it was. <laughs> right across from San Francisco, I have no clue. So anyway, it was kind of cool. And then, I, and then I, so it's Ron Wolf on the phone and what a good guy. And he said, Phil, you'll be, um, there'll be an airplane ticket waiting for you. And, Toledo Airport uh, Monday, and we need we need for you to come out here. So I think two days later, I'm a, I'm on the uh, I'm on the airplane out there. And but before I let him hang up on me, I said, Ron, you know, or Mr. Wolf, what round was I drafted in? And he goes, second round. I go, second round. It's seven thirty at night, you know. What, what took you so long to call? You know, you, you know. And it, it was kind of funny. He was laughing, but there was no hurry. You know, the draft went on and on and on. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah, it was like seventeen rounds back then, right? Or twenty oh, rounds? Crazy, yeah. And um, yeah, so everybody seemed to get drafted. But I got second round pick, Jack Tatum from New Jersey, first round, went to Ohio State. Yep, me, yep. you know. Bowling Green, so we're Jersey, Ohio, and then the Raiders. And, and you yeah. like to hit. You, you shared that yeah. too. <laughs> so yeah, then, and I, I mean, the, the, uh, playing with guys like Jack Tatum, I never I, – I tell people that, you know, that I don't know if you play golf, Rich, but, I do. you know, you play golf and you hit the ball in the middle of the club. It has a certain sound. Right. And I would always tell people that – because here I'm up in front of Tate, he's behind me, and I could always tell when Jack cleaned up somebody because it was a different sound, you know. Right. I'd be down on the legs, whop, you know, and, and these guys, more than likely, they're getting hurt, you know, with yeah. Tate and shit. He's like a what human a missile. Yeah, yeah that, a human missile yeah. is correct. What a player. Great player. That defensive backfield yeah. that you played with in Oakland, I mean, we'll, we'll go through the team, but when you think of him and Atkinson hitting people, you have Skip, was it Skip Thomas, Dr. Death, written on the side of his Corvette. Mm -hmm. And then obviously Willie Brown, who's probably one of the best shutdown corners the league has ever seen, uh, you know, certainly yeah. in, you know, up until like a guy like Deion Sanders. Um, that, that's got to be one of the most impressive defensive secondaries in, in league history. Absolutely. And they, and they were as good and, and, and as nasty as can be. And, you know, our corners, Skip and, and Willie, you know, they had a cover. That's serious. Yeah. But, our, but our safeties, yeah. man, they would start a war with, a, with an offense and, and they would finish it. It was, it was exciting to play with those guys that hit like that and, uh, and yell. I mean, I, I remember when um, we're playing the Jets and uh, Don Maynard, it was the wide receiver and, and, and they missed the quarterback and they need a drive. So I went out and I got over, I got over Maynard and I hit him a shot and I caught him right here in the eye. And we used to have these kind of like plaster Paris. You just groove it right here sure. and you put a glove over it. So the refs didn't see it, but it was, a, but it was as hard as this table. So I hit him a shot, he drops and then uh, he's on the field and uh you know, I backed off and, you know, the ref stopped it and out comes Weeview Bank. And I never heard anybody swear like I heard George Atkinson swear at Weeview Bank. And it, it was almost comical how many cuss words he could get out in 30 seconds and, and tell a big, get, get off the field, you big fat. Blah, blah, blah. And he screamed. I never heard anything like this. And that was with my teammates, man. <laughs> and, and George, you know, everybody, every, you know, we had so many characters and, and George was just one of them. He yeah. could hit you and he's so fast. I mean, these guys are, you know, we, we have guys like, I remember, I don't know if you remember a, a fellow we got from Ohio State, Neil Colsey. Sure. And Neil Colsey run. Skip Thomas could run. These guys were sprinters. Cliff Branch, these were sprinters. Yeah. I mean, if we, I, I bet we could have had an Olympic four, you know, 440 uh, relay team. And because we had some real runners, fast and could hit. 
Yeah. And uh, it's a tough combination. Dr. <laughs> Dad. Yeah. Oh, and Doc could run. He could run with anybody. Yeah. I remember one year when he decided, I don't know why he decided this, but he didn't want to intercept any balls. So he was knocking them down with his elbows and slapping them and like, intercept the ball, man. Get us off the field. Nah, fool. I don't want to get intercept this year. I mean, how goofy is that? So, so good. Yeah. That, and John Madden, John Madden, do whatever you want, Skip. Just keep covering people. You know? Cover man, Willie Brown, he could, he, he could, he could run with anybody. And uh, caught that big, giant, you know, interception in the Super Bowl, took it back about 80 yards, yep. iced the game. Great player. That's a famous yeah. line, the announcer. Here comes old man Willie, <laughs> as you see him come yeah, down the field. Okay. I remember talking to yeah, somebody who was, knew some of the old Raiders, and uh, I asked him about Willie Brown, and he said the he had just that amazing ability. If you if you got burnt, you just forget it immediately. On to the next one. A good corner has to play that way, or he can't play yeah. the position for long. And oh, Willie, had right. and uh, Willie didn't get burned that many times, but <laughs> you know, uh, but you're right. You you got to You got to You got to have a quick memory. You know, and in football. You know, any position, you better have a quick memory because the sooner as you screw up, they're coming back at you. Right, exactly. You're a target. You know, here it comes again. Right. I remember down in San Diego my rookie year, and um, they, they, I, they never heard of who I was. And I'm out there. It's our second game. We, we actually lost to the Patriots. Our, my very first game, to, we lost to Jim Plunkett, who was a rookie. Sure. And how we beat us, I don't think they won again for three years, but they did beat us that opening game. And we go to San Diego the next week, and, and they have John Hadle as the quarterback, and they ran, ran at me, ran at me, ran at me. And my, my thing I, I always used to like, to, and this is kind of crazy, but I always thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could make every tackle in the game? And <laughs> They came at me one, two, three. I made them all. And then we they, they punted, and they came at me again in one, two, three. And I, I had, like, the first six tackles. It was just a crazy game. But that was like, – my goal was to make every tackle. Right. And San Diego was giving me a good chance to do it, you know. And uh, that's what happens when, you, when you're when you a rookie or you make a mistake. You can bet they're coming back. Yeah, they're going to test uh, you. Right. The tape doesn't lie, right? That's the line. That's for sure. So, so you, you walk into that Raiders locker room in 71 and, and the team was, it was beginning to come together. I mean, the, the, the 76 Super Bowl team was, you know, was being built, you know, kind of right then and there. And you, yeah. you had a couple of, you know, older guys like the Jim Ottos and the George Blandas were still around. You know, these are living legends at that point. Um, yeah. What, were the, what were those guys like? What kind of like, do, you know, were they imparting wisdom on the younger guys? Well, you know, you kind of had to earn that. Right. You know, back in those days, Rick, they could bring as many people to camp as they wanted to. Sure. I mean, there was no rules. For that. You know, I mean, you, you, uh, you had to cut down. So like after your second week, you had to be at a certain number and your third week, a number and a number and a number. But when you first go there, so a lot of the older players, they wouldn't even talk to you, you know, until they saw that you were going to be a part of this team. Gotcha. And uh, when I was a kid, I was a huge Houston Oilers fan. And the only reason I was a huge Houston Oilers fan was because of George Blanda. And he scored so many points. And I was a huge AFL fan because they scored points in the AFL. You got the, you know, Philadelphia playing the Giants on CBS, and you got they they score about two touchdowns, you know, yeah. in the whole game, and then you go over here and the NBC with the AFL, and these teams are up and down the field. Joe Namath, but George Planner was my man, sure, and uh, I I couldn't believe he was he's 22 years older than me because when I was a rookie. He was 44 years old. Isn't that crazy? Amazing. I played with him for five years. 
and he played up to when he was 49. Him and I, great friends, but um, they had a they they had a uh, celebration one time, uh, and uh, and it was for George Blanda's uh, life. And I told this story, and it happened on. Not I, he wouldn't talk to me naturally the first day of practice, and it took a little while for me to be able to go up to him and say what I'm going to tell you now, Rich. And I went up to George, and you know, because we're kind of getting friendly now, the team's getting cut down, and sure. and uh, I went, George, I got to tell you, man, when I was a kid, you were my favorite. I was number 16. I was a Houston Oilers fan because of you. And you know what he told me? Hmm. F you. <laughs> George, why? Why? why, why yes. man? And that's why and he, and he, he said that, but he was really teasing. And he, but he did the, yeah. the way he said it. And then he walked away. I'm like, oh my God, that was my <laughs> idol. I just blew it with my, my idol. So I told that when George, they had the celebration of George's life when he died. And I told that story to Eddie. It really happened, and everybody loved it. Everybody knew it. Yeah, you know, I Mike Ciani and I always laughed because George became our friends because we loved to golf, and but we never, we didn't know what handicaps were or anything like that. So George would always say, "Okay, I'm going to give you three shots, and you get four shots, and you know, whoever he had as a partner, the guy was like a two handicap." And he just killed us. He beat us every single time. And, that, you know, it was totally unfair. But that was George Blanda. You know, that was yeah. my buddy. And uh, he could, you know, he was, but what a competitor. I remember, you know, uh, Rich, this couple of seasons when George was would go in, they'd take out Daryl, put George in, George would go down the field, and when he felt like the offense was stalling, then he would kick. And then and then we'd try an outside kick, or then we defense have to get the ball back. And he go right down the field and score again. Yeah. He he did it his way. And you know, I it, it, I think it got into Daryl's mind, you know, that you know, Daryl was a, he could throw the ball beautifully. The mad George would throw the ball spinning around and all this stuff, but no matter what, the ball got to the guy. Right. You know, and, uh, and what a, what a, what a, you know, Lamonica is a starter and, you know, really Kenny Stabler was the backup, but George would go in in front of Stabler. Man, what great players. And Jim Otto centering the ball and Upshaw and Shell over there and Beeler and Vela over here and Casper as a tight end. Man, what great players up and down the line and Cliff and Freddie and Mike Ciani running routes. Man. We, uh, Al Davis knew how to pick them, and Ron, Ron Wolf knew how to pick great players. Unbelievable. I, I was thinking about that. So, you know, you're secondary, and you got, you know, your defense as a whole. On a daily basis, you're playing against LaMonica and Stabler. You're playing against, you know, you're covering Bolitnikoff and Branch, you know, Branch, who could be, like you said, an Olympic sprinter, Casper, this big beast of a tight end. Um, yeah. You know, you're, you know, by the time you finally faced the other team on Sunday, you were probably thrilled not to be playing those guys. <laughs> it was, it was something. Yeah. Our defensive days, you know, on Wednesday was defensive day. So the defense is supposed to win. And Al would usually bring in a scout team from San Quentin, which was right up the road. And he'd bring in all these convicts that were actually played in the, in the yard, I guess, in, in, in San Quentin, they come down with the bus, with the, the, the bars in the window. This, this was the greatest day. So these guys couldn't wait to get there and play against us. And we were like, get out of here, man. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, you're playing too hard, but leave us alone. You know? So it was, it was always a lot of fun. And every day, every, you know, um, Every, you know, we'd have an offensive team and a defensive team from San Quentin. It was crazy. And then they bring in a couple of guys that knew what they were doing to go along with these guys. And it was a lot of fun. But Al always wanted it to be competitive. And so all week long, you're right. It was nice to get you uh, to uh, somebody you, you really hated, you know, 
like the Cleveland Browns or San Diego or Denver or Kansas City. It was exactly. always fun to, you know, play exactly. play those guys. That's and funny. Usually we won, and, and you know, and it was like we were, we were the bad guys. So wherever we went, we had to uphold that tradition of being nasty. So every week, it was a fight. You know, we never had an easy game. Never had an easy game, and everybody wanted to beat us. Right. So it was, uh, it was crazy. I think but it, it, wor- it worked. And, you I know, think- I went when I went when I traded up to Buffalo. I brought that mentality up there. Man, it, it's it's contagious. And you know, the Buffalo Bills, they had lost so many years in a row. They had so many number one picks. I'm talking about number one, number ones, right? All over the place. Great players. They just didn't know how to think. They right. didn't know how to win. They didn't know how, they didn't know, they didn't know how to be a team. It was everybody was kind of doing their own thing. And Chuck Knox would became, you know, he became the head coach up there. He went two and 14 his first year. And 14, we were 12 and four his second year. We won the AFC East. And it, and I, 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 I became one of the, the big leaders up there. And, and all I had to do was act like a Raider. And everybody acted like a Raider. And that's how you win in the NFL. It's amazing how like how much of a difference a culture makes because hearing you tell you the story, I think of you know you, you think of the the um, commitment to excellence that Al had in place in Oakland and it does it becomes a mindset it becomes a culture, yeah. and if a program doesn't have that if a team doesn't have that, it's you know you're up against it and so it's amazing how he kind of built that and and you know the team bought into it and came the yeah. win. He did, and, and you know, it's when you go there, and I've told people, many, many people uh, that question, how did you guys act like that? How did you guys win like that? And I said, I just went along with the guys. It was there before me. It was there when Al Davis got there. It was there when Jim Otto, who was an original Oakland Raider, and he bought in, and John Madden bought in as the coach. And so it was, it was simple. I mean, if you're a football player and you love Raider football, right? It was no ties and jackets. It was no, you know, no, hardly any, everything was first class, but nothing was, you know, I want to say nothing was, you know, Hollywood. Right. It was nasty and tough, but it was, you know, you're all about winning. Right. So that's the way you win in the pros. So they gave us that mindset and brought in the best players. Wow. Good combination. You're probably going to win some games. Right. And that was remember, pretty good. I remember reading that Madden's rule book was pretty simple. Be on time, practice hard, and play hard. It's pretty straightforward, Same. right? Yeah. I don't care about yeah. jackets and ties. I don't care about facial hair. Facial hair does not win or lose football games. Just That's right. Be on time and practice hard. Those are pretty easy rules to follow. Yeah. And uh, and everybody bought on bought up bought in on it. And uh, you know, John was John was one of the guys too, man. You know, I be I became the um, commissioner. Uh, I was a I, I love bar games, you know, and all that stuff. And I I just you know I'm good at I'm good, I'm good at organizing and uh, Gus Otto who's actually coming to my member guest this weekend. So my original right linebacker was Gus and I played left and we had a great three or four years together. And uh, he's coming all the way to New Jersey from St. Louis to play golf with me this weekend. I can't wait. That's cool. And, uh, but Gus was a a real gamester. So I get to know him pretty well. And then Bobby Moore who played tight end with us was a, my roommate and Gus had Dan Connors as his roommate. And the four of us would just go to these bars and we, we played bowling, you know, the little, uh, you know, you throw the ball and it knocks down the fake pins, you know, they go up and, yeah. and it was a pretty, you know, it was probably 15 feet long. So it was some skill to it. And we started doing it. And then we invite other people, other people, other people. And then at the end of the end of, end of the year, I say, Gus, come on, let's have a tournament. He said, great. So we had the tournament, and then we did that one for like three years. And then I got 
uh, I, uh, the Raiders played the Rams in a charity basketball game. And I had to race Isaiah Robertson on this little teeny tricycle. And I beat him so I get the, my pick of the prizes. And this was Coleco, his company, C-O-L-E-C-O, Coleco. Sure. And they had this air hockey table about seven feet long. I said, I want that. And I had it sent to training camp. So that winter, that next training camp, we had a bowling tournament and then we had the air hockey tournament too. And I was the commissioner. So one year we're playing, we're going to play the 49ers and things weren't really going so well for us that preseason, but the 49ers are coming up. That was our last preseason game. And one of the reporters asked me if um, about the 49ers and I said, geez, I really don't have time to think about the 49ers right now. I'm thinking about the air hockey tournament. And the guy, the guy was, what? He says, yeah, yeah, the air hockey tournament. Melindy's tomorrow night, that's what I'm concentrating on, not the 49ers. The next day in the paper, Villa Piano getting ready for the air hockey tournament. So I walk into breakfast that next morning and Madden explodes. He explodes on me right in front of the whole team. So John is a master psychiatrist too, I think. Uh, I've never saw a team snap into, you know, Super Bowl mode so quick. Madden, he used me, he ripped me a new asshole. Ripped me. Then storms out, smashes the doors as he goes out. And, it, and there was, I didn't see the Chronicle yet. It was all about me in the air hockey tournament. So anyway, we beat the shit out of the, no, we have the tournament beat up on the 49ers uh, that, that Saturday night, and then we open up the next week and we start winning. Right. So now the next summer, we lose our first three preseason games in a row, which we really didn't care about. Right. And I'm ready to have the air hockey tournament and the bowling tournament. But Madden's not hearing anything. So I get a knock on the door at lunchtime and this guy, Ken Bishop, says, Phil, coach wants to see you. I'm like, he wants to see me? What's up? Because I don't know he wants to see you. I go down there and Madden looks at me in the eye and he goes, how kind of commissioner are you? I'm like, coach, what? We haven't won, we haven't won a game. I can't have a tournament. He goes, well, you ain't going to win a game till you start your crazy tournaments. <laughs> so now me and uh, John, was, John was a master. And, you know, and he knew who could take it. He knew what to say. And... Man, all the time he, he he could get us ready for a game. Right. So so we had that tournament, and then we start winning. And it's just that's the way it was. So genius from genius. Our, our crazy training camps and and I remember when I left, I got traded over to Buffalo. Matt Millen took over, and he would call me up and tape me, and I would give the the uh, the uh, the opening the opening talk for the, the tournaments that the night. Tournament. Matt was now the commissioner. And, uh, cool, cool stuff. And I, 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 I don't know if the Raiders still do it or not. I really don't. But it's so many things have changed. And, well, when they left Santa Rosa, they probably stopped doing that. But the, I mean, that was like, I remember we used to tell our wives how hard training camp was. And we all couldn't wait to get there. <laughs> it was hard, but it was fun. Yeah. And it sounded like even the practices during the regular season were hard too, but then you guys would slip out to the Hilton afterwards, right? Some shivas? Oh, every 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 day. We never missed a day. <laughs> Big John Matusak and me and him were the left side. Hendricks and Sistrunk were the right side. The four of us right to the Hilton. We get the quadruple shivas on the rocks. They get the quadruple crown royals. We have one of those. And then we decide if the traffic was too too rough. And then we have another one if the traffic, which it always was. So we we have two or three of those. We go home like, oh, whoa. And uh, Teddy, we all lived in the same neighborhood out in San Ramon. So we we drive, we all drive together and uh, we had a great time. That was we that was our camaraderie. Absolutely. Team well, Bond. We would go every Wednesday and Thursday to the Hilton. Well, and you mentioned Ted Hendricks. So in, in was it 75? He comes over. Brilliant trade by Al. He comes in. And now all of a sudden, yep. the right side of the defense is anchored. You're on the left side. What yep. was Hendricks like coming in? 
Yeah. Oh, Teddy, Teddy was a beauty. Um, he fit right in. And, you know, I did get to know Ted. I played him uh, three, three or four Pro Bowls with him before, uh, you know, and I, and I remember uh, um, we were, he was playing with the Colts, my sure. very first Pro Bowl game. And, uh, and I had a little too much the night before we were in Kansas, playing in Kansas City. And uh, and I went in to throw up. <laughs> Teddy comes in and he's looking over. He goes, "Yeah, you're going to be a lot of good tonight, aren't you?" Like, ah, Teddy. <laughs> so we became friends way back when, and uh, and boy, he became he became you know he he anchored down the right side, and boy, we became a real good defense. And him and Otis, they took Otis and put him over there with Teddy, and then they. Went out and found a two sack for me, so it was perfect. Yeah, you know, and cruising we, with the twos. We had a lot of fun together. What's that? Cruising with the twos. twos. Yeah. Oh my God, it was very dangerous to cruise with the twos. I I, I look back, I look back, and you know, I, I'm amazed at how we got away with it. And you know, we got away with it because all the police and all the people in Oakland. We're all part of the nation, even though before it was called the Raider Nation, everybody was fun and everybody, you know, nobody wanted to get a Raider in trouble. Right. You know, nobody wanted to say anything bad about it. Everybody was a Raider fan and Raiders are everybody's fans. And I used to love the spectators at the games, you know, the fans were crazy. And, you know, the black hole, I remember when the black hole first started and it was just in the parking lot. And uh, it was right. an area. I don't even know if they had lines in the parking lot when I first got there. But this one area way over there out by Route 66. And the, all the, they would go, the fans would get there, the black hole people, and they would leave a big circle in the middle. And this guy would pull in this way, and this guy this way, and this guy this way. And at the, so you could hardly get in there. And you couldn't. And now they're all in there and everybody brought their beers in there and then, oh, the pot was incredible, how much pot was being smoked. And then after the game, we, as players, we knew just where to go to get a beer. We go, we go over there right to the black hole. These people were wonderful. Yeah. And black yeah. people, white people, Chinese people, everybody was a part of the black hole. And then they finally got their, their section of the end zone together and how they pulled that off. And then it, then it went from the parking lot to inside. Right. And then it was crazy. And you'd be playing, you know, and you'd be looking in the end zone. You know, everybody, as soon as you look in there, yeah, it goes crazy. <laughs> it was so much fun. That's yeah. Great. And it, so I think the town, you know, and I, I, I think Las Vegas is a tremendous fit for the Raiders. But I think, you know, that stadium they had there, it got too old. Right. And it, we needed a new stadium. I think the people of Oakland are going to end up in Vegas. I think they're going to have a lot more fun there after the games are over. Right. There's plenty to do, as we all know. And, uh, you know, in Oakland, what you got? Little Hagenberger Road. You have two or three restaurants. You know, where you, there wasn't even anywhere to go. Yeah. Remember, we used to go Freddie yeah. Bolitnikoff at the Flanker Bar. That, you know, he had his own bar. That, that's where we, we like to go a lot. The Hilton, we like to go. But I mean, the people in Oakland, wonderful. The merchants, wonderful. The, everybody was great, but I think it was time to go to Vegas. And I think you're going to see the Raider Nation show up right there, and it's going to be crazier than ever. Oh, sure. I've got a, oh, I've already been through the stadium a couple of times. Unbelievable. And Mark Davis went so far out of his way to make it fan friendly. Right. The bar. There's a bar in that end zone, the north end zone, and that you and right behind the bar you can open the windows. You look right down the strip, and that's where Al's torch is going to be. Al's torch is now 60 feet tall. Wow. The bar there is gigantic. It's got to be 40 yards by 10 yards by 10 yards by 40 yards. It's going to be able to serve probably 500 people at one time. And, and and Mark made it so. People in the suites could come down, or the, the people standing around. That's everybody's bar. Oh, that's cool. And that was never that way oh, in Oakland. Cool. You know, in Oakland, you had to have the the, uh, 
the level, what do they call the, uh, the level that was where all the sweets were, sweet level or whatever, yeah. was, to go to those nice bars. Now they got an outrageous bar for everybody. And then I told, I called Mark and congratulated him because, um, you know, there's a bar in there. It's called the 41. I told Mark, you named the bar after me. Perfect. I'm going to be there every week before the game and after the game at the 41 bar, you know? <laughs> so it's, it, wait till you see it. And where Mark, Mark drives his car into the stadium and then he has to go up an elevator and you just doesn't go into his, Sweet. He has to walk through all these people to get there, which he did on purpose because right. he wants to be, you know, part of the scene. Right. And uh, and it's gorgeous. So this Super Bowl, I do some work for Caesar's Palace, and uh, they invited me to come out there for the senior the the Super Bowl this year, okay. which was what was in Tampa. Yes. And we, we they set up the tables right down on the field. And we watched the Super Bowl on the surround TVs, which are gigantic, gigantic and crystal clear. So everybody in that stadium is gonna, you know, gonna have a wonderful seat no matter where you're sitting. That's cool. And it's, it's just wonderful. So uh, Mark, Mark did it right. And then I, I got to go to the practice facility, which is, Unbelievable, unbelievable. It looks like a college campus. They got buildings right. all over the place. I mean, it's nuts. And then they got indoor field, then they got the outdoor fields, and then they got the M Hotel. And I, I told Mark, I said, this, this M stand for Mark, you know? But it's, it's beautiful. It's the M Hotel. It's a right next to where the Raiders practice. Right. And, right. It, and it's owned by the Raiders and on the blackjack tables, we got like a Raider helmet, oh, wow. you know, oh, and wow. all the memorabilia is all over the walls, all, all kinds of beautiful stuff. It's really something. It's really something to see. So people from Oakland, don't be sad. You're going to be very happy when you see a game over there. Even though you got to, you know, you got to take a weekend. You know, you just can't come and go like you used to. Right. It's right. going to be, it's going to be worth it. That's cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see that stadium. That's that's got to be one of the biggest, most amazing things that's happened in the NFL over the past, you know, kind of 15 to 20 years is not only the big, beautiful new stadiums, but the practice facilities are insane now. You know, so many of them used yeah. to be afterthoughts. And I think that the owners yeah. realized this is where we are 350 days of the year. You know, we're in the stadium yeah. 15 to, you know, 15 to 20 with exhibitions and post and, you know, postseason. So they've really tricked out the uh, practice facilities too, the headquarters. So, uh, and, 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 and Rich, they also do that because of the free agency, right. which they didn't have in my day. But where are you going to go? You're going to go to one to the practice facility that the weight room is the state of the art, right? And uh, and and the swimming pools and the uh, hot tubs and everything else, yeah. state of the art. Yeah. Or you're going to go. To uh, Alameda, right, right, right. <laughs> where we used to practice, right, exactly. Oh, no, you're gonna go exactly. to the state of the art free agents. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. To uh, you know, when you bring a, you know, these free agents, they come to visit. Oh yeah, you gotta sell and them. They see everything first class, and they see they meet to cook because they're all in the nutrition. Yep, that's a big deal. It's yep. a yeah. selling point. Mark yeah, didn't absolutely. leave that out. One thing I did notice, though, everything is got a, a name on it. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like uh, the practice yeah, facility is named something orthopedics. Something. What? Yeah. A little money. I, hey, Mark. Yeah. Mark wants to get. You know, he knows how to make money. And Mark Bedane, those boys know how to make money. Uh, yeah. So I have to ask. I'd be remiss if I don't ask you a couple of about a couple. In, in your in your years in the NFL with both Oakland and Buffalo, you were in some of the most iconic games of of the league history, right? Obviously, the the Super Bowl against the Vikings, you have the hit that turned the game around on the goal line against Brent McClanahan. Walk me through that hit. 
Well, I'll, I'll back it up before the hit, which I think in, in, in this is, I, 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 it's really helped me in my, to go from one career to another career. And, you know, making that tackle was only a part of it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. We're getting ready for the, for the Vikings. We're watching film. You watch so much film, you go crazy. Sure. Every, what they did when in short yardage, they would take out their wide receivers and they bring in two more offensive tackles. Okay. So in reality, they had a tight end, tackle, tackle, guard, right? And, and tack, tight end, tackle, tackle. I mean, huge. So they brought in all their biggest boys. And we called it jumbo. Okay. But I remember Don Shinnick, our linebacker coach, beautiful, beautiful man, smart. I love to watch film with Don Shinnick. He goes, guys, they only do two plays out of this formation. They run off guard. They run off tackle. They just think they're going to blow you out of there. So what we're going to do is as soon as we see, and we call the jumbo, as soon as we see jumbo, deep, the two corners are running out. We're bringing in two more linebackers to get down. And then what they're going to do, Teddy and Phil, we're going to push you guys down. So you're going to be on against the offensive tackles and you're going to be quicker than them. So we're going to take the advantage back. They think they're going to be bigger and have an advantage. We're going to be smaller and quicker. Sure. On Shinnick. Good idea. So a uh, red guy gets his first, first punt, punt locked of his whole career. The ball bounces back down to the two-yard line. They, they come after with their regular offense, and they, you know, naturally Madden goes, defense, defense, we run on the field. Now they, they go with their regular offense on the two-yard line. They try to sweep my end. I just what I wanted. I got right up in Stu Voigt. I threw him to the side. Here's Foreman. Bam, I hit him. Tom and Tucson. Bam, we got him together. We're slapping each other. We go back to the huddle. They're taking up the wide receivers. But I always look, and Monty Johnson looked back this way. He called the defense. I always get my eye on who's substituting. I said, matzo ball. Jumbo. Jumbo. And then and, and here comes their tackles. And I said, we got them where we want them. And Jack Tatum, I didn't really even knew he was listening. But I said, we got them where we want them because they had two plays. Yeah, now we know. I knew we, had to, we, I knew we could stop them. Yeah. So anyway, they, 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 they snapped the ball. Zoom. I'm off. I'm off. Bam. Right in McClane hand. Smash my hand in there. The ball comes out. Willie Hall grabs it. We go down and we score. John Madden on the sideline, comes up to me and he goes, you all right? And I go, yeah, coach, what's up? He goes, Tate's telling me, you're screaming on the goal line, we got him where we want him. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I said, coach, we did. And he just laughed like a psychiatrist that he is and walks away. Absolutely. Now he writes, he writes about that in his first book, which was called One Feet Equals Two Yards, or what was a crazy name of a book. Okay. I forgot what the name was. I can't remember. But anyway, I forgot. It's a cool book. I, I read it. I just forgot the name. But he he talks about that play and how important that play was to us winning that Super Bowl and us winning that game. And he goes, and he said in the book, he told the story, but he changed it around a little bit. Instead of saying people that tackle like that, you know what he said? People that think like that, how could we lose? Right. And that's the way we thought. Right. So when I'm on the goal line, on the two yard line, and they come in and then I know what they're gonna do, I'm screaming, we got it where we want them. Yeah. So anyway, and John said that in his book. And when I was now retired, and I think he put that book out like 85 or 86, I read that story and I'm trying to become a salesman. And I was always trying to be somebody else, not me. Right. And when I went in and John said the biggest stage of the world, people can think like that. That's how we win. And they hit me like a ton of bricks. I immediately started selling with the same intensity and the same love 
for that I had for football. And now I started loving my customers. Yeah. I started loving my job. I started dressing like a raider, but but in a suit, a cool suit, you know. Yeah. I started everything I did as a raider, I started doing as a sales guy. And then I, I remember driving, driving to people's offices, getting myself fired up. Why? Because I did it in football. Right. And anybody, and that's why I still sell, because I, I have such a good time. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to retire. I don't want to get old. Yeah. But I'm old. But I, I, I love it because, you know, it's, it's, it's how I think. Gus Otto is coming to town this weekend, and he thinks like me. We're going to Dio Country Club, and we're going to win this tournament because we think right. You know right. what I mean? That's, yeah. how we, that's how we do it. My son Michael says to me, Dad, how do you know that stuff? You, you should write a book because you got so much to give. And, and I was telling him, you know, I call him up. He, he's in sales now down in... in uh, in Washington, D.C., he works, um, his company is, um, they're like a bank, and he's a pretty smart numbers guy. And he, he got hired, and they're, they're like a hedge fund, and they, they raise money, and then they give it, they, you know, make a deal to the cannabis companies that can't, you know, can't, they can't deal with real banks. So they right. got to deal with companies like Michael's. Okay. So anybody out there, you need money, see Michael, right? But anyway, uh, I, I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I, I, t- I tell him something. I don't even know that he's listening, but he is. Right. And it's all about what I learned with the Raiders. Yeah. And now yeah. what I learned with real people, you know. Yeah. You know, football players, woof, tough people, man. Tough people. Tough money. You can't play in that NFL unless you, you, you got to be a little nutty. And you got to be very tough. Yeah, that's a good thing for the real world. And I remember, you know, with you know reading books, and I would read these books, and I would listen to these motivational tapes. And I I, I remember the eighty twenty rule, you know, where you know twenty percent of the people are going to do all the work, and the other eighty percent, you know, don't do the work. Right. And I I, I bring it up to way higher than that. I bring it up to 95.5. I say 5% of the people on earth are really earning their money and working hard and enjoying themselves and all that. And 95, I think, are going through the motions. Yeah. And I'll be, I think I'm right. And uh, it, just, it just works that way. And I, I tell my son Michael that. And I tell whoever wants to listen, things yeah. like that. That's what, that's what I do. You know, yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. And I learned it from Jim Otto. And I learned it from George Bland. And I learned it from John Madden. My, and Al Davis and Ollie Spencer. And, get, you know, all those guys. Yeah. They all give you a little bit. Yeah. Add, add it up. You know, I'm, I used to get along very good with Al Davis because we both have football memories. And I mean, I remember every single play of every game. Right. No matter what. Yeah. I do. It's crazy. It's impressive. And he remembers every single play of every game. Yeah. And him and I kind of like, can you top this? We didn't do it like that. But we would always be, yeah, remember that guy did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was always fun. And uh, we'd sit there. We'd do that for hours. I stand away. I stand around after practice. And then he would tell me what I needed to know for Sunday. Right. And like, a, like a, for instance, Leroy Kelly, we're going back to play the Browns on the second, first year they had Monday Night Football. They only had a few games. This is the first year of Monday Night Football. It's the second Monday night of the season. We lost the opener. We go back there, we're 0-1, and we're playing the Browns. And Al grabs me, he says, come here. Leroy Kelly puts that arm down, he's going that way. When he puts this arm down, he's going that way. The tight end is named Milt Moyne. Sure. He's about 12, 13 years in the league. He can't, he can't keep up with you. You're way too fast. I want you to back off him, 
And I want you to tackle Leroy Kelly every time he touches the ball and you can do it. I knew I could. Yeah. I backed off. The guy stuck his arm there. He went, boom, boom, boom. I tackled Howard Cosell. First time he ever saw me. Bob Filippiano from Bowling Green. He made me one <laughs> night because Al Davis gave me the key. He gave me the key to the game, man. So I tackled it and I tackled it and I tackled it. I, I wish there was a film of that game. I'll put you in charge, Rich. Find that film. I never got to see that film. Because, you know, we come back the next day. That was Monday night. We didn't even watch the game. We just started preparing for the next guy, next next, you know, next next week. Yeah. I never even saw that game. I want to see that game. Okay. Somebody I'm out there has got to have a game. I'm on it. I'll try to find You're it. You're on it? Good. Yeah. <laughs> Monday night, 1971, second week two. Browns in that old piece of shit stadium. Municipal ah! stadium. Municipal stadium. on the of the locker room, there was seaweed growing. We were walking around. Well, they gave us all flip flops because they didn't want us getting whatever disgusting stuff was on the floor in that shower. It was terrible. <laughs> okay, let me. Yeah. I'll ask you one more question. I'll ask you one go more ahead. question, and then I'll let you finish however you want. You go to Buffalo. You're with the Bills. Obviously, it's towards the end of your career, but you guys go to the playoffs a few times. In 81, you play in a great game against the Jets. You guys take a huge lead. They come back. You win at the end. You have an interception in that game. And then the next year is the strike year. And then the next year, I think it's your last season, you're hurt. And that's kind of it. That playoff game, though, you have that interception. Is that like a nice little kind of crowning moment for your career? I loved it. I loved it. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, I loved that. But even more than that, the year before, now wait a minute, that was, we were wild card, and yeah. they were wild card. Yep. Yeah, the year before we win the AFC East. Right. When I go to right. Buffalo, Chuck Knox calls me into his office and said, Phil, we're all done, you know, we're all done negotiating, it took about uh, five minutes. Right. I'm like, what? Ed Keating was my lawyer. And he goes, he goes, I gave you everything you want but you got to give me something. I said, what coach? He says, I need you to play all four spots. We have no backups here. You got to be my backup. We got good players, but we don't have any depth. So you're going to play a lot, but you're going to play all the spots. I sit the bench all year. I went in, you know, when somebody got hurt or something, but I'm a really, I'm going to sit in the bench. Yep. The middle linebacker, a guy named Shane, Shane Connolly breaks his arm the week before. I go in against New England. We beat New England. Now we got to beat we got to beat the 49ers. Joe Montana's rookie year. Get that film too, because that's another one. All right, Knox, the the defensive coordinator is going to start the backup middle linebacker. Knox calls me over, and I I think he did this on purpose. He goes, Phil. Get out there. I, I, didn't, I called the game. I made 25 tackles. Right. I didn't have an interception. Right. But that, to me, was one of the – even Super Bowl. That was one of the most rewarding games of my life. I mean, my 10th year, Chuck had that, uh, that you know, confidence in me. Yeah. We don't win. New England go. New England wins. That we needed to win that game because we right. beat them the week before. We had the same record. We needed them. I played, had a great game, loved it. That's what I got out of Buffalo. A few games like that. And that Jet game was fantastic. And that was another one. Um, I, why was I starting? Somebody got hurt. <laughs> so, anyway, that's, that's, that's it. I almost said, you know what? I could have had another one, right? Richard Todd. Did a little dink pass to Eddie Bell. And I, if I was selfish, I would have went for the pick. But if he gets it, he's gone. Right. So I just nailed him instead. But I, to this day, I remember, I tell you, I remember every play. I remember Eddie Bell like this. And I think I couldn't have got it. But anyway, 
great. We I, I had some crazy games. Um, you know, we had them all. Yeah. Down in San Diego where the ghost, you know, re recovers the fumble in the end zone. Oh, the holy roller. Pete Panasek. Holy roller. That was a crazy game. The Macaulay reception was crazy. That one in Denver where Jack Tatum nails Lytle on the two-yard line again, runs runs the ball back, and then they give him the touchdown. We, we have so many crazy games. I'll, I'll leave it with this. This is a great quote I read from Paul Wiggin, coach of the Chiefs, when he was playing you guys in the late 70s, or in mid to late 70s. It's not that they're bad fellows. It's just that they're trained to kill. <laughs> Does that say it all about the Raiders? <laughs> Love that. I this, gave, this was beautiful. Thank this you for having me on the show. And thank you for listening to Chasing Hardware with today's guest, Raider legend Phil Villapiano. I've been your host, Rich Lamello. The Michael Stanley Band brought us in, and the suburbs with Life is Like are going to take us out. Upcoming guests include Bill Curry, Greg Pruitt, and Vern Lundquist. I look forward to speaking next time. Tonight, it feels like life. Come on. Life is like